Welcome back to All Alone with Something to Say. This is your host, Emma Newberry. We're going to do a quick intro this week because we have some fresh meat on the pod in the form of my friend Phoebe, and she has a very thrilling intro story for us. So we're going to keep this quick, but today we will be talking about OnlyFans, um, and that will be somewhat framed by the Bella Thorne controversy. If you don't know what that is, you will soon, but just generally today we're going to be discussing the idea of sex work in the digital age, um, the implications of sex work in the digital age, and what selfhood looks like in the virtual world. So I almost said sit back and relax. I do whatever you want. Just here's the episode. Enjoy. Exciting um, to have my best friend here for episode five, which is about OnlyFans. But before we get into that, I think Phoebe has her own little story to tell us uh, that can really just give us a personal anecdote and a real connection with OnlyFans. Um, yes. So for better or for worse, I do have a story that relates to OnlyFans, and Emma, honestly, the only reason I was really able to make this connection is because you mentioned doing this episode with me about OnlyFans, and before you mentioned- That was before? Yeah. Oh my god, I- That's how wild it is. I'm a psychic witch. Amazing. No, Like, within the same week, this happened. It's so spooky. Wild. Um, But yeah, I had no idea what OnlyFans was. Anyhow- our story begins on Tinder, as all good stories do. You know, I'm out here in Devon, PA, living with my parents during what was supposed to be, you know, as all of us know, hot girl summer. And it's now lonely quarantine summer. So, <laughs> classically, I match with this guy and we start texting. And, you know, it's all really mild stuff like, how's your day going? What's your favorite drink? Things like that. So, um, you know, amidst this very basic conversation that we're having, he does send me some pictures of himself, which I appreciated, but they're also like, but didn't request, right? Did not. That's, you know, that's a crucial piece of information. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Did not request these photos. They kind of just came out of nowhere at really random times during the day. Yeah. Um, yeah. So just sending me these photos and again, really mild, just one that happened to be shirtless and then the other two were you know just tasteful i'd say um and again emma he was sending them to me over text so when i did ask him if he had a snapchat he said no and you know what that is what we call a red flag my friends yes um you know of course silly me i just thought to myself you know he's old school nothing wrong with that But anyways, later that week, I was on a Zoom call with Emma and Emma's sister, Caroline, and our friend Noah. So I'm telling the squad about 
this guy. And, <laughs> you know, I also tell them where he's living. Mm-hmm. And Caroline Newberry, Sherlock Holmes, the shit out of these details and yep. finds this guy on Facebook in a matter of minutes. Like, wow, girl has some skills. Um, anyway, we collectively discover that he only has one friend on Facebook. Again, people, red flag right there. Yep. So, you know, the group agrees that I've been catfished, which is just amazing (laughs) but you know I really couldn't just leave it at that so the next morning I wake up at 6 a.m as I normally do and I do some research into how to tell how if you're being catfished right I come across this article that says things like you know if he avoids sending you a picture in real time or doesn't want to FaceTime or call you things like that honestly if I were in that situation I would have been like take a photo with today's newspaper, like a hostage and just like, show me that you're real. Exactly. Like they that's not just... as cute. That's not as cute of a message. So right. I get why you didn't like go right for the. Exactly. Another tip that this article brings up is searching the images that he sent you in Google images. So reverse course... that. Shit. Exactly. Exactly. So of course I do that. And lo and behold, I find the actual person who my catfisher has been impersonating. Right. And that person has a very robust OnlyFans page. Yes. So this long, very convoluted story brings us back to the actual topic of today's podcast, OnlyFans. Okay. So OnlyFans was brought to prominence in our lives through this experience of Phoebe's. Um, But it's been something I have wanted to do an episode on for a while because I just think it's an interesting platform and like discussions of sex work are really important right now, especially as people are doing a lot of things, even more things virtually. For those of you who don't know, we will just do a quick rundown of what OnlyFans is and like the history of OnlyFans. So OnlyFans is a platform, an adult platform based in the UK. Um, It was started in 2016. And how it works is creators charge monthly subscription fees of anywhere between $5 to $50 a month for users to access exclusive content on their pages. So like when I looked up the guy whose pictures were being used to catfish Phoebe, I couldn't access his OnlyFans because I would have had to create an account and like subscribe and pay to gain access to that. So this can be safe for work content, not safe for work content, and it's all really at the discretion of the creator. And I would say in my research, I have noticed many people emphasize that it's not necessarily the more explicit your photos, the more money you make. It's really just like engagement with users and consistent posting as it is with so much of social media, I'm sure. I'm not an influencer, so I wouldn't know, but- (laughs) You simply um, are. I pretty much am. Did you know that my last podcast got like two plays? <laughs> um, yeah, but creators can also do individual transactions in Messenger, like pay-per-view messages that are Ooh. requested by users, and they can receive tips from subscribers. If you have Googled anything related to OnlyFans or Disney in the last like 48 hours, you will know that OnlyFans has skyrocketed even higher due to Bella Thorne, a former Disney star of Shake It Up who crashed the site when she first made her account, made $1 million in her first day, and by the end of her first week, she made $2 million. That is a lot of money right there. 
Yeah, the Rolling Stones actually ended up writing an article. <laughs> what? The Rolling Stones is the band. <laughs> Rolling Stone the is Rolling the magazine. Stone. Thank you. Thank you. This is why I need you. So Mick Jagger actually thinks that Bella Thorne <laughs> is like really empowered. <laughs> Take two on that. Rolling Stone magazine ended up writing an article about Bella Thorne's success on the site and interviewed some of the other creators who aren't so happy about celebrities' involvement on the OnlyFans site. As one OnlyFans creator put it, quote, as a black and brown woman, I'm deeply concerned about finances, especially now due to the pandemic. OnlyFans had given me a moment to finally breathe and feel a bit more secure. Custom videos, sexting, tips, that's half of the income I made on OnlyFans. And these new policies are going to hinder that income potential. Mm -hmm. So those new policies that that creator is um, referring to are caps on tips on the site, which are capped at $100, as well as a limit on pay-per-view custom messages between creator and subscriber, which are capped at $50. Mm-hmm. And those caps um, and restrictions on the site are potentially in response to Thorn's success on OnlyFans. Yeah. So it's not like necessarily proven, I would say, that she is the cause of this, because apparently creators have expressed frustration before that OnlyFans will kind of just not be transparent about changing policies and stuff. And so sometimes this just happens. But as Rolling Stone said, it it does coincide with Bella's like extreme success and like literally crashing the site. So another quote from the article is Many sex workers have interpreted Thorne's lack of public support for the sex work community, combined with her joining the already saturated OnlyFans market as preparation for a film role as disregard for their welfare. Quote, it threatens our livelihood when major celebrities join platforms for working class sex workers because it changes the market and, in Bella's case, makes a mockery of what we do, be a king and OnlyFans content creator tells Rolling Stone. Like, I, I don't have this experience, so... I can't really judge and I do really want to be understanding, but the word mockery did jump out at me. Yeah, no, I would agree with that as well. I I feel like she's perhaps not mocking the site, but definitely her, you know, ability to use it and her celebrity does change things for other creators on the site as well as you have those quotes in Rolling Stone magazine. She does hinder the site, but also in a way she, like, not elevates it, but brings it more prominence and yeah, exposure. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, it's kind of a double-edged sword in that it can be seen from multiple angles as either promoting OnlyFans or really hindering its use for other creators on that site. Right. Yeah. That, I think that actually comes into play with a lot of media and just creative output by black and brown people, LGBTQ people. Like once it There is definitely a benefit to having it, quote, mainstreamed in that, like, it becomes a more accepted and more known platform, but that's because it's a skinny white girl doing it. So Mm. it's like, it narrows the field, even as it also widens it. Mm -hmm. As one OnlyFans content creator, also named Bella, not Bella Thorne, said, um, quote, us sex workers are never recognized for what we do and how much we help platforms such as OnlyFans grow, which I Mm -hmm. think is really critical to know because, you know, it's essentially where this all began. I think this goes into a larger conversation about 
um, the commodification of the image. Mm. Um, because unlike with, as Kate McGrew put it, quote, traditional forms of sex work, you really aren't engaging with the clientele on the level of intimacy in terms of like proximity. Um, so I don't know, but I would, I just feel like it would be interesting to explore whether people feel more removed from it when it's not an in-person interaction or a physical interaction. I feel like for some people it can offer freedom for sexual and bodily expression in a more controlled environment because it's like removed. Right. There's that layer of the screen, but I don't know. And I mean, also like, I read an article about sex workers in Miami who in the wake of the pandemic are like, we can't work. Mm -hmm. So a lot of them have been turning to OnlyFans and that has been a really good source of income because performance-based sex work is pretty much unviable at this point. In the same vein, I think we do need to consider how, you know, this digital age has changed our interactions with media and media mm -hmm. consumption. I think people are not as removed from the screens as we'd think originally. One of the first, actually the first art exhibit I reviewed in Boston was um, at this amazing gallery in Jamaica Plain called Cyber Arts. It's so Ooh. cool. Um, but it was all about like this melding of the physical and the virtual and like how the self really does get codified into the internet. And like, I think we all experience this on certain levels. I mean, I know Phoebe has the Instagram of a serial killer. <laughs> um, one photo and one photo only. Maybe you're a catfisher. Are you even my am. friend? <laughs> Who are you? I'm not real. To give you just a bit more information on how the site originally came about, in 2011, the founder of OnlyFans, Timothy Stokely, owned a softcore porn site called Glam Girls, where Danny Hardwood, now a top earner on OnlyFans, also worked. Stokely soon started working on the site called Customs for You, which Hardwood described as like OnlyFans in beta. Um, as an article from the New York Times puts it, the pitch was to offer horny guys the ability to become their own directors, ordering specially made videos from their favorite models. So essentially, to me, when I read this quote, the elevator pitch seemed to make it clear that OnlyFans, or at least like it's in its early stages as customs for you, was basically just like a choose your own adventure porn site. And the fact that the consumer, which just is assumed to be horny guys, is the person that really has the most agency. That actually, and I think this is for the better, that's really not how OnlyFans turned out. Mm. Um, because now it's more of a multi-use platform. As we mentioned, there's both NSFW and SFW content. Um, and a lot of the agency lies with the content creators. Like I said, you can get... If you're very dedicated to OnlyFans, you can get pretty good money, pretty good, and you don't have to take your clothes off to do it if you don't want to. Um, as of 2019, OnlyFans boasted 60,000 content creators and over 7 million users, and you know that number is way higher now because we're in pandemic times. Yes. Everyone's on And people fans. need to masturbate. Yeah. <laughs> One OnlyFans user in an interview for Stellar Magazine said... 
I came into this knowing what I was doing and weighed up the pros and cons. It's definitely not anything to be ashamed of. And I feel like a lot of people are way more sex positive now, Mm. the younger generations especially. There are always going to people who try to paint it in a bad light. But when I'm 25 and sitting in my own home, I'm not really going to be that bothered. Men have profited off of women's bodies for centuries. So why shouldn't we take back that power? Yeah, I know. When I read that line, I was like, yes. Although, so there are like some dimensions of OnlyFans that I think need to be brought up that aren't as positive or empowering. um, Because in that same article, Kate McGrew, who works for the Sex Workers Alliance in Ireland, expressed the sentiment that, or she wishes that, quote, in an ideal world, OnlyFans creators would acknowledge the struggles of more traditional sex workers who have laid the groundwork for this new era in the sex industry. She goes on to say, there's always a wariness of people that come into the sex industry without knowing our struggle and history who are more susceptible to looking down on people who work in a different way. Because sex workers are ostracized from society, we've really learned to band together and put aside our differences so that we can fight for all of us. McGrew outlined something called the whorearchy, which is essentially a hierarchy amongst sex workers that Mm -hmm. might place them within a rank depending on their method of work or status of clientele, things like that. So with OnlyFans, it's sort of like an unspoken hierarchy that is then shoved into a more general hierarchy of of the social media industry. Exactly, yeah. OnlyFans has really been marketing itself as not just a sex-based platform, they've been giving pages and, and tips to artists, athletes, mm-hmm. DJs, models, musicians, as we mentioned, yeah. which is, as the Rolling Stone piece emphasized, they're really much more likely to include those promotional videos than promotional videos for sex workers, who, again, to reiterate, really launched the site and made it gain so much popularity. And also, like, I don't know. Fitness bro is also like showing off his body when he's like teaching you how to do push-ups shirtless or whatever. Right. And like he's allowed to be on their YouTube channel, but take a pic in your bra and underwear and like you don't make it. Right. And it's also problematic because it inherently values some forms of self-promotion versus Mm -hmm. others, particularly those that are tied to sex. So I think it's a bit problematic for many reasons that this is their approach and unfortunately you know the means that they go about marketing it because um you know they probably advertise that to gain more traction in society and become more mainstream but it also you know perpetuates this idea of sex work or sex as a whole being a separate from other self-promoting content which Mm -hmm. I personally don't think is necessarily true. Mm. And also, B, keeps it really taboo, not for public discourse, inherently bad, etc. Right. And also, it's not like even though I am watching German DJ Ben Bexen or whatever his name is, like when I'm watching his promotional video. No, you have to do, you have to do the accent. You have to re-say that name. He pronounces it only fans. And he only has fans. like a clip for YouTube about like how he uses OnlyFans and he's like so clear to be like I actually just do DJ sets. 
Exactly. I mean, you could impersonate him. Like the fact everybody knows that that's an element of the platform. I think this is exactly what you're saying. So just to echo that, but like the fact that they don't come out and say it in their marketing is right. feels like the easiest shaming tactic while still making money off of people who use the platform for their work. So it's like you can feel empowered by having an OnlyFans and like maybe your interactions with your actual fans are like very good. But the fact that the site is like hiding them or like mm -hmm. neatening the image, they're not good enough to make it on the front page of the brochure. Like that's a problem. For me, that's a big problem. Not only the site, I mean, as you mentioned, our German DJ friend, you know, having to differentiate the fact that his OnlyFans page is for things that are not sex work or sex related. Right. And, you know, I, I feel like we, in our discussions about this, maybe have like differing views on what Bella Thorne signifies for OnlyFans. But mm. I think we both agree that maybe this is what makes Bella Thorne's joining OnlyFans so complicated because as I see it, she's super high up in the larger hierarchy of social media in that she's a celebrity, in that she is a skinny white woman, in that she is like upholding Eurocentric ideas of beauty. And she's also super high up, I would argue, in the hierarchy in that she can like go on the site one day and just like make a million dollars. It's very easy for her in a way that if this is your primary source of income, it may not be. So I get like you could see it as legitimizing sex work, even though, as we said, that shouldn't really be necessary to do that. Because like Kate McGrew said, to a degree, the more, quote, acceptable that all forms of sex work can be understood to be, the more potential there is for sex work to be a safer, less stigmatized industry. Mm because of her celebrity. I'm not totally sure. I feel like her celebrity puts her in a different category for better or for worse, probably for worse. Yeah. Um, <laughs> or like to the detriment of others. It's to probably the fine for her. Yeah. To the detriment of others. This is true even with like camming and like stuff off of OnlyFans. Some women who were interviewed um, expressed concerns and some had experiences with doxing, having their photos leaked, having their address leaked, having their name leaked. And like, that is just so in an effort to shame someone. It's like, bro, how did you get access to those pictures? Like you mm. subscribed, like yeah. that's how you see them. Like you are the one I just, that's like the forever tension between like consumer and consumed. I don't think it's necessarily fair even to paint creators that passively, but. And we should mention that it doesn't just apply to women being consumed and men being the consumers, but can right. apply to however you identify gender-wise. But I do think it is important to note that the fact that it was like, so we're basically going to offer this like buffet to horny guys. Like it's just picking the shittiest restaurant of all time. <laughs> Shark Tank rejected. There's no neat way to like tie all of this up really. But I do think just the fact that we're talking, not to be like, we did our part, but like just the fact that we're talking about OnlyFans in a way that's not like, <gasps> like <laughs> boobs, what? Um, <laughs> is like we're presenting the many facets of it in what we hope is the most objective, like neutral presentation, as in if it skews anyway, it's like more supportive and just not at all passing any judgment on anyone, regardless mm -hmm. of what they choose to put on the internet wherever but like OnlyFans has just presented itself as a very fraught platform yeah 
where a lot of these issues intersect. We hope you enjoyed this episode of All Alone with Something to Say. Uh, to our <laughs> small but mighty legion of fans, just a heads up that we have switched to bi-weekly uh, so that we can give you content that isn't um, accidentally haphazard. Um, so keep an eye out for our next episode. Special thanks to Ken Noel for the original music. You can find him on Bandcamp under Kenny Noel. Have you got something to say? If you do, you can contact us at the All Alone Pod on Instagram and Twitter or the All Alone Pod at gmail.com. 